0: Hello, and welcome back to Parallel Passion. First off, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who continue to support the show on Patreon. You're the best. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Today, I'm joined by Phil Sturgeon. He writes about APIs, but mostly his cycles. A lot. Like from Spain to Luxembourg to Czechia to Albania a lot. While working. Yeah. He's an incredibly interesting person, and I hope you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here's Phil. Hi, Phil. Welcome to welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Why don't we start with um,
1: like a short introduction of like who who are you and uh, what do you do? All right. Yeah. Uh, my name is Phil Sturgeon. Uh, I am an uh, an API designer, I suppose is probably the best way of putting it. Um, I, I help People learn about how to build better APIs and architectures. And um, I've been running a community called APIsYouWon'tHate.com, mm-hmm. which is a Slack channel. And um, that that was named after a, after a book um, that I wrote about building APIs. And um, now I work at a company called Stoplight.io, where I help to kind of shape the the products. Um, and there are a bunch of API design tools, you know, like an editor, a linter, a mocking tool, uh, a bunch of other stuff. And it's all just about helping people make apis
0: and and since you brought up the book i actually maybe start there like um how did you decide to to write the book on apis
1: oh yeah um it was super natural really i mean i i wrote this one blog post and it's just like bullet point lists of advice like do this don't do this watch out for that give this a go um, and then people were like, wait, 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 expand on all of that. You've just got like one <laughs> sentence on this thing. Like, I don't understand what that means. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I started to like take a, a few of those and, and turn them into blog posts. Mm-hmm. And these blog posts were huge. You know, it would take me like a, a month to get one of these, these big posts done. Um, and then I kind of realized, wait a minute. Like, I'm going to spend about, there's like 12 more posts to go and they take about a month to do. I'm going to be writing this blog for like a year and that's not really going <laughs> to, not really going to get me anything <laughs> in return. Um, I was also kind of worried about quality because when you're, when you know that you're doing something kind of for free, you don't necessarily pour your heart and soul into it as much. Um, you know, so I I think I was kind of like rushing a few of those chapters to get them uh, a few of those blog posts to get them done. Mm -hmm. And in the end I thought, nah, this probably is a book, isn't it really? Like, (laughs) let's just, let's just do that. And, um, yeah, it worked out really nicely. I put the I put the few chapters I had onto Leanpub on a pre-sale because you can do like you know one chapter, you can start selling it at a low price. Yeah, yeah, did that, and people just kept buying it, so I kept writing it, and then I had a book.
0: Cool. And like, did any of the publishers approach you or
1: like write to you? Uh, I had a couple afterwards. I, I just I wanted to self-publish mostly because I, I don't really like being told what to do. <laughs> like I'm terrible <laughs> with authority, um, and so like also apis as well are a tricky space like there's a lot of people have a lot of opinions and they're not necessarily always like right you know they (laughs) have different from other things how (laughs) (laughs) well sure yeah i mean javascript frameworks anything you want to think about but um yeah like in the api world because like everyone can make them and, and everyone does they just kind of this is the one way of doing things and so when you if you have like any sort of publisher or editor and and you know, I was trying to talk generally in in different ways of doing things and, and cover a few different uh, contexts and use cases, and people just get really kind of uh, about it, and I, and just that that whole process sounded terrible. So I was like, I'm just going to write this thing, and if people like it, they'll buy it, and if they don't, they won't. Um, and luckily, yeah, I didn't really need the publisher in the end because it kind of it, it grew a community, like I said on Slack. We kind of we ended up growing our own kind of following in, instead of needing to go through a publisher because if you if you don't really have like a bunch of twitter followers or whatever it can be really hard to to get a book out without a publisher but i, I just luckily didn't need it
0: yeah and there the other book was there um the surviving other people apis was that like uh built from that or
1: did like also come from a from a blog post yeah this this is a bit different so this uh, i'm just about to finish it up now it's like 90 percent done mm-hmm. um surviving other people's apis is is all about like uh, working with other people's stuff, right? Like people, I wrote this one book about how to build the best APIs you can. But if clients, if like client application developers have no idea how to interact with that stuff, um, or they're only like leveraging part of your API because they're not aware of the rest, then that's not very good for you. Um, and the clients like often, I worked a lot and um, my last job was WeWork and uh, I was kind of an architectural internal consultant person there. And and all of our interactions with APIs were, were pretty bad. Like things would fall over that nobody at the entire company had ever heard of the term timeout. So like if one system would fall, fall over, like everything falls over, the iPhone is crashed because the conference room booking system is down, right? Like all this crazy stuff. And so um, a lot of this book was kind of born from those interactions and, um, and I'm also rewriting the Build APIs You will not Hate book again for like modern learning so it was really cool working at WeWork where things would just crash all the time and I'd have to like fix this crazy stuff all the time and I'd be like this makes a good chapter for this book and then something else would crash and it'd be back end I'd be like this makes a good chapter for the other book. <laughs> you, you didn't even need the chaos monkey like the things were failing by themselves. <laughs> exactly there were <was> certain <laughs> things in there that I was like wow I didn't I've never heard of this this is going to make great <laughs> content. You know,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sure they were happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you always like uh, like writing and wrote about stuff, or is something that you came in? Because like you you write a lot. Like you have a you have a like I have to say have really good domains like Field dot Bike and Field dot Tech. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is like perfect. But uh, you you write a lot. Did you always like to doing it, or did you like come into it somehow?
1: Yeah, I, I don't really know how I started. I think I started blogging in like 2008 um, or maybe slightly before. Mm. Um, and I just kind of like it. Like often there's a lot of thoughts kind of bouncing around my brain and there's like no better feeling than kind of getting them down and, and, and getting the thoughts straight. Um, and kind of like just making a good article because it just frees up space in my brain like i i will quite often forget things after i've finished writing about them and then i'll google for it and i'll find my article <laughs> and i'm like oh good i'm glad someone's covered this because i don't know how this works <laughs> so it's just like a good way to get m- more available like ram in my brain <laughs> yeah you know um st- yeah I just really like it it's always the
0: best feeling when you google for something and you find your own answer on stack overflow from five years ago it's like
1: oh yeah I used to know that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was looking for advice on like um touring with tubeless tires and I found an article that I wrote I was like oh yeah I suppose I have (laughs) (laughs) yeah Hmm. um yeah so like now that we
0: we brought up biking um how did that story begin like when did you start bike
1: touring um touring i think uh was was this year I, i'd never really done a big trip um while i was working at we work like it was very much like you stay you have to work from this office all the time right it wasn't they weren't particularly remote friendly and yeah they're in that uh, space right that's what they do sure exactly yeah i mean if, if you can if you can't get your employees to be in the office how are people going to pay you for the office space but <laughs> i totally understand it but um yeah. For, for, I've been into bikes for years. I used to live in the middle of the country in the UK and to get anywhere you had to cycle there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, when I moved to New York, I got into long distance cycling just cause it's 30 miles to the nearest bit of nice scenery. So you have to learn to ride at least 70 miles so that you get a bit of time in nice scenery. Right. Yeah. There and back. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I, after, uh, after I left, uh, we work, I had to get out of the country and uh i had to go somewhere and i wanted to like relax a little bit and i went to the canary islands which are beautiful um it's kind of spanish territory off the coast of uh west um uh west sahara mm-hmm. and it's like beautiful really hot giant volcanoes and my plan was that i was just going to spend like four or five weeks riding around them volcanoes to decompress and then and then i'd kind of uh just go to London and start a new life, I guess. I, I haven't really figured it out. But <laughs> at the end of the five weeks, I was like, wait, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I, <laughs> um, I don't want to just go straight from a big city to a big city. And um, I started with a company who are remote friendly uh, through a stoplight and they don't care where I am. And we have people all over all over Europe and we have people in, in America too. So it's kind of nice that I get to interface with with both teams and kind of bridge some of the gap that was was felt before um so i just yeah started started cycling from spain i was gonna go to poland to meet the team and then i just carried on riding and got to like 20 countries
0: <laughs> wow that's uh that's amazing and you just decided this like
1: overnight i'm gonna i'm gonna go through like half of europe uh not really like originally it was just i'm gonna go to, to poland and that really was overnight like i met a bunch of the the team and they were like so where are you riding on your bike next i was like i don't know maybe poland they were like sure whatever like wait wait you don't care this is so cool um and then i kind of started riding around a little bit and i was like i had friends over here and friends over there and somebody else was doing like a boat trip in croatia so i started going down there and i just kept on riding like no one no one told me to stop so i didn't <laughs> but like i didn't know i was going to be doing a bike tour until i was already in spain like i just i ended up in spain because that's where the ferry goes and you know i, I had my bike i didn't have a bike Box. I didn't have anything, so I got. I went from uh, Canary Islands to Spain just with my bike, uh, and I was going to like take a train to London or something, or ride to London. I don't know. And then it just turned into a huge, a huge tour.
0: So like a Forrest Gump on uh, on a bike, (laughs) pretty much. Just keep on cycling. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah it was very unplanned and, and and quite great I mean I had all the wrong kit uh, all the wrong kit and, <laughs> and, and like bad gear and stuff, but like things made sense over time like you know you go into a bike shop and you find a good thing to replace the bad thing and by the end of it, I had a really really nice touring setup you know
0: yes speaking of setup like um how much do you bring with you like um what is all that
1: you have on a bike um I think half of my weight was my laptop. <laughs> wow. Okay. I got like a MacBook pro. I would have, I would have loved, I would have loved to have a MacBook air. But, um, by the time you've got like, a, uh, uh, by the time you've got a computer, I ended up picking up a Spanish keyboard, which is messing me up. Like, I'm always hitting the n y and the, and the wrong characters. It's really throwing my head in, but, um, <laughs> had to get one somewhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got like, I have four bags. One of them's marked camping. Um, it's just a tent and a, a sleeping pad and a, um and a quilt and then i've got another one which is uh like what is it clothes so i just have you know one human outfit um two t-shirts uh, a bit of underwear that sort of thing uh another little bag they're all like 12 liter bags so they're pretty small the other one's um my go bag so it's got my computer and my all the cables that i need and all of my like you know uh toiletries and things i just grab that one off the bike when i'm going into the hotel and then the other one is miscellaneous stuff with tools and everything. I started off with this huge tool roll; It had everything. It had like a pedal, uh, like a chain whip and like pedal wrench and just arbitrary things. And it weighed like, I think it weighed like 10 pounds. It was so bad. <laughs> and bit by bit, I just traded away the tools for things at bike shops, you know? So like you need a new inner tube and you give the guy a pedal wrench and <laughs> you just, I kind of kept <laughs> swapping things until I I was down uh, I'd swap like a heavy version of a tool for a small portable tool, you know, um, things like that. And uh, yeah, eventually my, my gear just became what I needed it to be instead of whatever random crap I had when I started.
0: Yeah, but that's probably the thing. Like when you when you start, you don't know what it is that you'll actually need, especially like you said, you've never done it before in on, on that scale. So yeah. you couldn't have known.
1: For sure. Yeah. Like all the, the bags I had were wrong. Like I was trying to use a seat bag and I ended up getting a rack and um, my wheels were like way too low spoke count. So they were just breaking all the time. So I picked up a new pair of wheels, you know, (laughs) like I pretty much replaced everything, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to do a really long, long tour for a really long time, but I'd always worried, like, maybe I don't have the right stuff. Maybe I'm not good enough at maintaining my bike. Maybe, you know, I come up with reasons why I shouldn't do it all the time. Um, and you can, you can sit down and obsess about like, I need to get the perfect gear before I even go and, and do all this stuff. But in the end, just doing it, it was, was much easier. And there were a few times where, like, some stuff broke and I had to, like, walk for a while or hitchhike with a random guy in a van to get somewhere to fix it. But, like, on the whole, it was just fine. Just just did it.
0: <laughs> and and how much uh, did you travel each day? Like, um, how many miles did you do or kilometers? I don't know. which.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, my I, I've started trying to think in kilometers. I used to think in miles, so I'm kind of bad. And I, I use both. But, um, yeah, in the week, depending on elevation and temperature and stuff, like, uh, sometimes there was an alp in the way, and sometimes there was like forty degrees of just vicious heat. Um, but yes, Spain can be bad, I can imagine. Spain luckily wasn't too bad because I started in uh, start of April. Oh, okay. Um, it's actually kind of a lot of um, a lot of storms coming through, so it'd be like crazy rain for an hour, and then it would go back to being <laughs> lovely. But. Um, yeah the worst was albania it got to like 40 degrees and while, while france was having those heat waves of like 43 degrees for a day or two like that was just albania all the time um so i was getting heat stroke and heat exhaustion quite a lot then oh, so i wasn't riding as far on, on those days but um generally speaking like somewhere between 50 and 70 kilometers in a day on on a weekday mm-hmm. and then um more like a hundred Uh, kilometers on the weekend my my one day record was a little bit stupid my 24-hour record was 400 kilometers which was like all of Denmark (laughs) wow and then I carried on going I carried on going for like the whole rest of the week and made it like a thousand kilometers a week and then I had to stop because I messed up my Achilles tendon like I now know what my limits are it's that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably over the limits you you should probably keep it under that (laughs) (laughs) right if i understood you correctly you still work remotely Mm -hmm. so this is like when when do you travel like first thing in the in the morning or like late afternoon on or how do you how does your like typical work day look like
1: uh so it would vary a lot depending on kind of what was what was coming up um and what sort of temperature it was and, and specific things happening at work right so um some days i would kind of wake up and go to the hotel buffet and just camp out there for two hours with my laptop shoving my face full of food because you know you burn five thousand calories a day so (laughs) you just like you just sit there and annoy the hotel staff with a laptop and just do that and then when they kick you out at 11 o'clock i would (laughs) ride for three or four hours um and then i'd get to the new hotel just in time for check-in for like two or three or whatever and then i'd work until whenever and because there's a mixture of european and american people like the americans are waking up at my four o'clock and they're working until my 11 o'clock or midnight or whatever so if there was a day where i wasn't very productive in the morning and i didn't start working until four o'clock that's fine i right. just work an american day right so right. like there were some days where there's like a huge mountain to get through or it's like super remote and i couldn't even stop for a bit of lunchtime coffee working and i just you know i wouldn't do anything until four and then i'd work all night. Um, so it usually works out.
0: But are you still able to are you still able to focus and and work after that ex- like that amount of exhaustion?
1: Uh, it was fine until I got to the Balkans. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I um yeah, it was just getting really hot. Like it was it was pretty bad in Croatia. Um, no, sorry. It was pretty bad in Hungary, but it started to get much, much worse when I wound my way down through um, Bosnia, Serbia, um, Croatia, and then uh, Montenegro and Albania. Like those, those last couple were just like really bad because I, I was getting super dizzy and like I'm familiar with like hyponatremia and and, and um, just like running out of salt, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I was getting heat exhaustion, pretty pretty common. Um, I think one day, a couple of times I've really nearly got heat stroke. You know, when you're just super dizzy and everything's all crazy and like your legs just don't work.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds healthy. It sounds really healthy. <laughs>
1: right. Well, that's why I eventually stopped in Albania. I had to like jump on a, a ferry to Italy and take a train up and kind of rethink my my, my route. And then when I went via uh, around Scandinavia a bit just because you cannot work when you have heat exhaustion. And yeah. it just kept happening. And so I was like... I wasn't being my productive self. And the last thing I want to do is, is let the company down, right? Like they're, they're giving me this freedom and letting me do this so long as I get my work done. So if I don't get my work done, then like I can't do it. Mm. (laughs) So I definitely had to make the the tough decision to like ax that leg of the tour in Albania and kind of come to cold, colder climates. Um, But yeah, apart from that, like you can absolutely get work done. Like some, some days I do hour on hour off, you know? So I like, I leave at, at eight in the morning and then do like an hour of, writing and an hour of work and an hour of writing an hour of work. And that's, that's really fun. You can get a lot of distance covered and it doesn't feel too stressful. Hmm. And you can like, you can think about the problems in between. So like I would, I would stop working when I was like, Oh crap, I don't really know how to tackle this problem. Right. Cause I do a lot of planning work and design. Right. Um, so I'd kind of get blocked and then ride for a while and then ta da I, I figured it out. Um, and then I can like stop and sit down and, and work on it. Um, and that helps.
0: Yeah I definitely understand that cuz like I I run so running is for me this this type of feel like um mm-hmm. um and I think everyone is familiar with this maybe not running or whatever sometimes you're just taking a shower and you have this oh that's how I'm going to fix it
1: <laughs> yeah take a break in general
0: yeah yeah you can figure it out and then you go like to bed and in the morning you're like of course this is so straightforward how how did I not know it yesterday it's so clear right but do you how do you plan it do you just like go and when you see a nice cafe or you're like oh i'm gonna work from here or like do you do you plan it like i'm gonna go to this town and then like find something there or do you just mm. uh, how do you approach that
1: um pretty much a mixture like in some areas that there's not quite as much information on on google uh, i was using maps.me mostly because that's it, mm-hmm. it's just you can download things offline yeah. um and yeah it was it was a bit hit or mi- hit or miss like the whole time was feast or famine like I, i'd go a day where i just didn't find any food you know and like i found like a gas station <laughs> snack just to stay alive um but then like the next day you just stuffed because you just go past so many amazing cafes um sometimes i'd fill up at a gas station because i'd think there wasn't going to be a cafe and then like a few moments later there's this beautiful little place and then i end up just like double eating but um yeah. You kind of have to take whatever comes along. You, you can't, it, it's difficult to like stick to a specific diet or whatever. Like if I was trying to, if I was trying to be vegan, I would have been completely out of luck. Um, it's just, uh, how <laughs> many queso bocadillo, uh, over and over again. <laughs> but yeah, uh, sometimes I do a little bit of planning or I'd, like aim for a town and then think like, oh, I can probably get there around about lunchtime, work for a little bit and then get going. But I, I actually worked from a lot of gas stations, a lot of petrol stations. Oh really? Um, even in, yeah, like all over Slovakia, Slovenia, and the Balkans and stuff. Like they have Wi Fi, huh. <laughs> so you can get you can get coffee and a sandwich and, and just hang out in the petrol station for a while. And yeah, no one seemed to mind.
0: Huh, interesting. I've I've never thought of working from a petrol station, but yeah, like yeah, uh, why sounds why ridiculous, but <laughs>
1: totally a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did
0: you meet anyone like you, or with uh, with a similar type of like
1: w- working and traveling with bike? Uh, I, I bumped into a few other um, bike packers and tourers. Uh, I didn't bump into that many of them mostly because I was doing kind of random haphazard routes. I, I found out towards the end that there's something called Euro Vilo, Um, and I can't remember eurovelo.com or something and they're like predefined routes that a lot of people will ride along and so uh-huh. there's a lot of other other uh, adventurers that you'll meet doing similar sorts of things. You can like ride with them and, and like share equipment and you know help each other out. but I didn't know about that and I'm just riding around completely at random. Um, so I didn't bump into too many people. Even doing the same sort of thing on a bike, mm-hmm. let alone the same sort of working thing, you
0: know. Yeah, because I know of people. Like, I even had uh, one on on this podcast. He's my uh, coworker, Joran. It's like uh, episode number twenty one, mm-hmm. and he and his wife basically traveled from Canada to uh, Mexico, like along West Coast, Whoa. with with a bike. Yeah, but like they didn't work. They the, the traveling was the was the whole thing. So they, I think they took like two or three months off mm-hmm. and just did that. Um, but I've I've never heard of anyone to like actually do it like you do <laughs> just like instead of i don't right. know traveling by car or whatever just like oh i'm gonna go by bike
1: yeah i mean i i know a few people doing similar sort of bike trips um like there's there's a certain number of people you just like randomly see them on on instagram and stuff you just kind of um uh, they just seem to like fly by like, there's a few people just going around in circles and hitting all the same spots and, and doing all the same thing as me but just in a slightly different order and we never quite cross paths you know <laughs> so like we're now uh we're now like friends but we never met just because uh things in common like that yeah but um i I know a few people that are riding from london to istanbul right now and they've taken they've taken like two or three months off work Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're just riding and it's it looks like a lot of fun because they've got time to like do like fun things and stop and explore and go for a walk up, up a hill if they want. And like, they've got great photographs cause they they're taking a bit of time with it. They both got nice cameras. So they like wait for good light and they, they don't go and photograph some, some nature and all these other things. And I've got like a couple of awkward blurry selfies that I shot on the move cause I'm late for a meeting, you know, <laughs> so it's a pretty different experience in that way.
0: Um. Yeah, that, that is definitely a, a different experience. Mm-hmm. And also just, do you get to even enjoy like the places or was everything just a blur not not just photos but like to you
1: yes and no like some of the some of the days i, I did feel stress uh just because you know i i try and make sure that my my team isn't blocked and they're we were going through like a pretty crazy busy time at work trying to get a big release out. Right. Uh, stoplight studio was this huge project um, that just took a long time to, to get out. And so I, I wouldn't turn my phone into airplane mode. Like I just let the beeps come through. Mm-hmm. And so like I would, I would rush like mad and then 30 minutes later I'd stop and I'd be like typing away on Slack and then I'd rush like mad and just typing away on Slack. <laughs> and I feel like I spent the entire day outside, you know, just cause it was constantly doing that. Um, and then you you get to the place and in your head you're like i'm gonna stop i'm gonna go read a book at the cafe i'm gonna explore town no you're not you're gonna go to bed and (laughs) (laughs) the next day it's kind of the same thing again so one example was like uh dubrovnik i got to dubrovnik you know the uh croatia yeah south croatia of game of thrones fame lately (laughs) exactly yeah wherever you go they just play in the game of thrones theme tunes man yeah um But like, I got there and it was pretty cool. I I turned up um, midday and I like, I worked there for a little while and I I left in the afternoon of the next day. So I got to like have dinner and wander about a little bit. But my mum was sending me messages like, "Oh, make sure you go up the cable car and then go to this (laughs) harbor and then go to this museum. I'm like, that would take three days. I have like an afternoon (laughs) and a job, you know? (laughs) So I take a few photographs and I get out of there. But whilst you might not get to like fully experience the place, like you would, if you're going on vacation, like I'm not on vacation, I'm working a full-time job. So I'd much rather kind of be riding my bike on the way to work and then see like a random castle fly by. Right. And be Like, Oh, cool. And then like carry on riding my bike. Uh, then, you know what I was doing before, which is just like, I'm always sitting in the same place. I'm, um, you know, risking, risking death cycling through New York City just to go along the same kind of boring concrete stretch, you know,
0: but you do make your own schedule. So you could have stayed in in Dubrovnik for three days if you wanted to, right?
1: I mean, yeah yeah that's true i mean um if this is something you would really want to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was mostly just trying to like get out of the heat because it was you know if i get uh if i go from croatia and i get down uh through montenegro and albania then i can start to like tip north mm-hmm. and like theoretically things were going to get cooler so like i was so tired i was basically rushing to try and be less right, messed right. up mm-hmm. um then, then i saw the weather forecast for romania and it's like 45 degrees every day and i was like okay actually screw it i'm <laughs> i'm out i'm out of here but
0: yeah, maybe, maybe the weather was telling you, like,
1: just chill, like, stop in just Greece, stop. And enjoy <laughs> yeah. this, and
0: just, like, continue yeah. the August, September.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I stopped for a, a week in Croatia because some friends were down, like, doing a, doing a boat thing. They, like, uh, hired a skipper for a week, and we just, like, sailed about. It sounds super fancy and not, not usually my style. <laughs> um, it's really cool. But after a week of, of not riding a bike... And I think it's more like nine days of not riding a bike. Uh, You know, we stopped in Split, which is just up from Dubrovnik. And I was like, I just want to ride, man. I just want to ride. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a drug then, right? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I was like, I needed my fix and I hadn't quite got it. So I just just smashed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you mentioned that you had
0: like uh, a a tent also with you. Um, Mm -hmm. But... um, as far as i understood you mostly stayed in hotels and apartments so yes um was there just like a, a backup in case you don't reach a, or find a place or what was that for
1: yeah there are a couple of reasons for the tent um well, I, I started off with a um with a bivy uh, and a tap and just got mauled by bugs just just attacked by like a, a thousand at a time slovenia is mad for that <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah right um I could have got like, a, I was going to try and make like some, some tripods and a bug net to keep the net off me. Cause they were like biting through my net. And I realized that I was describing a tent. So I just bought a tent. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it was really helpful to have, like it doesn't weigh all that much. And um, sometimes it was just as a backup, you know, like you're trying to get to your hotel I'd mostly book hotels at lunchtime for that evening. So I could basically figure out how far I could get. Cause you know, I made the mistake one time of bu- booking a hotel, 120 kilometers away and then getting trapped <laughs> in headwinds. And I couldn't get there. Like I just couldn't get to this place. So I ended up buying a second hotel. All I was right. like, this is stupid. Um, that, that must have sucked. Yeah. It was the worst. Yeah. I was like, I could, I could buy could uh, pay for a taxi to get there, which costs as much as a hotel, or I could just pay for another hotel. I like, um, so I never make that mistake again and I, I'll, I'll get them last minute, but I, I usually only stay in hotels when I, I need the electricity. So I didn't have a dyno or anything, you know, like no generator or no yeah, solar yeah. panel or anything else. So if I were to get work done, I'd need to be in a restaurant or a cafe. And a lot of the time they don't want some stinky biker in there <laughs> with like three day old spandex, you know? Um, so I generally kind of, at the start, I was just rushing to the, to the hotel and then I could get work done and go and explore. Um, and then on the weekends, I just wild camp in, in random places, you know, like farmer's fields, side of the road, random lane. Um, and that was quite nice on the weekends. Uh, part of the reason was that I wanted to try and lower my carbon footprint. Um, I've been working with this company called offset earth. It's like offset earth, another cool domain. Mm-hmm. And they help, uh, they're like a fundraising platform for a charity called the Eden reforestation projects. Um, okay. and they plant trees all over Africa and um, like Indonesia and Nepal and, Um, they like it's like 10 cents a tree basically, and you can like just save the planet by planting a shitload of trees. Right. So, I was trying to raise awareness for that with, um, like a fundraiser, and people were donating to me as I went. And I, as part of it, I was looking into my carbon footprint, and the average American is, uh, 4,000, uh, pounds of CO2 a month, which is quite a lot. Um, I was down to 1,600 pounds just because I, I kept, like I was still eating and I was still um, staying in hotels and they have to like wash your sheets and deal with this other stuff. So I'd only kind of halved it by staying in hotels. Especially just for one night, right? Exactly. And one night's the worst. If you're there for a week and you put the do not disturb, it's actually not that bad. But yeah, yeah between like eating meat and and staying in the hotels, like that was my whole carbon footprint. So um, I'm breathing, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, so I, I, <laughs> I cut out the meat pretty much, and I was like down to like you know meat once every other day instead of like all the meals all the time, um, and yeah, the by camping for two nights out of the week, I got the carbon footprint down to around about like uh, one thousand two hundred pounds, so that it, it knocked a bit more off.
0: And that's a calculator on this offset dot earth, or that, that you know, uh, just I can't like... remember
1: where the calculator was. I think it was like carbonfund.org or something else. Okay, okay, um, but there's loads of them around. You can just Google like. You know carbon footprint calculators as loads but yeah they they just uh, handle like a monthly subscription so you can sign up and for like five bucks a month uh it, it offsets you or you can do the mega offset which is what i've done and offset my family because they're not the best at this um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you can like watch as your forest grows and you know it, it's pretty nice
0: hey that's that's interesting and definitely something i think we as a society should take more seriously but i, I don't think people are like the 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 Farthest people are willing to go is abandoning plastic straws in favor of steel <laughs> ones, which is even worse because sure. you need more energy to make a steel
1: one. So yeah, got to use the bamboo, man. Yeah. The bamboo grows like a meter a day or something stupid. You can uh, you just buy bamboo straws; they're great. <laughs> I mean, or just not use straws at all. Yeah, <laughs>
0: um, but but yeah. Um, did, like were you always this um, oriented against um, climate change or just uh, for um, like preservation of Earth or is this something that you sort of discovered w- when your travels or how did you come across that?
1: Uh, I-, I think it's definitely intensified since the trip. Like once I started looking into it and just realizing that even though I literally lived on a bike and like I'd already sold my car and I didn't have an apartment, like even though I'd done all that, I was still like, only half, <laughs> half the footprint of, of average person. Um, I think that's when I was like, holy crap, I need to do something about this. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's definitely like turn, uh, I'm, I'm working on a project at the moment, uh, called like awesome earth. You know how there's like awesome Ruby and awesome PHP and, and people right, collect right. these lists of resources. I'm trying to make awesome, awesome earth. Is it awesome. Earth? Uh, I haven't got it yet. I'm working on it. That, that, <laughs> that guy owns it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm compiling the resources locally. It will hopefully be awesome. Or if not, it'll be on GitHub. But, okay. Um, of just basically like a whole collection of like here's things you can use to help like from everything from um like yeah uh personal carbon offsetting to uh, portable bidets so you don't have to literally wipe your ass on trees <laughs> um to all sorts of things like loads of li- little things that you can do to genuinely help um okay but what would be like five actual suggestions that people let's say listeners can
0: do right now so the things that are easiest to do and have like the, the biggest
1: uh, effect yeah, so uh, eat. Stop eating beef. Just stop eating beef right now. Have a steak for your birthday if you want, but just no beef. <laughs> um, okay, meat in general is is got a higher impact than a lot of stuff. But like, if you go with chicken and fish, that's a little bit better. Um, but yeah, they're pretty much just ripping down forests worldwide just to have more cows, and they're the worst. Um, you can uh re- reusable containers so you find a shop nearby that does like reusable uh zero plastic packaging stuff mm-hmm. um i was in amsterdam staying with a friend and they have this awesome farmer's market and you just everything from like nuts to you know a jar of pesto you they they'll they loan you a, a container or you can take your own oh. back um and cool. just do that so there's there's a there's a lot of solutions like you can everything from toothbrushes you can get like um you can get bamboo toothbrushes and you know, you can get refillable cleaning supplies and all of this stuff. Like people think it's really hard, but it's genuinely not. And and I want to just like share that list so anyone says, like, but what can I do about it? Yeah. I can at least say that. Like whether you do or not is up to you, but at least I can easily say this. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but that's uh that's a lot right cuz mm-hmm. just to to point you and you know some some people are like oh yeah but uh, like, I'm not I'm not willing to give up that but they like if you have a list of like 50 things they may be able to do like 42 and they're like <laughs> yeah. uh, making a difference right
1: Exactly do half of them
0: Yeah or yeah just half <laughs> <laughs> Are you still fundraising for for that offset earth or was that like a one time thing How- how did that work?
1: I was doing it for about three months and I feel like I've kind of for now hit a limit on how much I can do through like tweeting about it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think I basically saturated my market and I'm, I, I worked on a few other kind of spin off fundraisers. So um, the Laravel community, I don't know if you know PHP framework Laravel. Um, I yes. got, it's like, yeah, it's like rails, but PHP. Um, yeah, yeah. I got them to do like a little mini fundraiser, which was kind of contributing to mine. And I was trying to set this whole uh, like fight up because there's another popular one called Symphony. I was trying to get like Laravel versus Symphony. Who cares about the planet more? (laughs) Um, But in the end, it was just the Laravel people doing it. And that was like, I think it was like 9,000... I'm sorry, it was 9,000 trees, so like $900, which was great. Yeah. And, and a lot of those people that, that sign up, they then get um, a, an email follow-up being like, hey, do you want to subscribe for an account? So my, my current approach at the moment is trying to find ways to get people to sign up for those accounts mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because then it's got like a really big network effect. Like they they focus really hard on referrals. They'll give you free trees for referring. Right. Um, so whilst I'm not directly fundraising anymore, I did manage to get like 50 people to sign up and I'm going to find other ways of doing it. Like right, right. I want to have, I want to popularize this idea idea of like um you know there's a buy me a coffee people put on their readme yeah um i want to put like buy me a tree and like make these little yeah. shields you know uh, right and right, that, right. Yeah. that takes you to your offset earth account like yeah, just i'm yeah. doing coming up with a lot of little ideas like that to try and kind of grow offset earth's um uh, subscribership
0: yeah it's like it's like horrible life but doing actually something good
1: <laughs> exactly yeah it's a bit of a pyramid <laughs> scheme but the result is that we don't all die in fire so it's not bad yeah <laughs> to take it to a really pop- uh, pleasant uh, point there
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I read the the post uh, uh, about when you were traveling through Slovenia, and I saw that
1: uh, um, uh, yellow slide. Uh, <laughs> did you Did you try it? Oh yeah, Slovenian water slides are amazing. I have never been that scared. <laughs> um It was one of those ones that you get in, and the floor just drops away. You know, like you get in and you cross your arms, like you're in a Yeah, it's the one with the loop. You're in a casket, and then yeah. <laughs> it was terrifying i loved that place it was just so casual about it as well i turn up at this hotel right and that was where i was staying while i waited for my tent to arrive so i had to like i had a day or two to kill and i thought let's do it at a nice place with a water slide mm-hmm. and they were like oh yeah the 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 pool's out back and i went uh, i was like great i'm gonna go for a swim and i got there and it's like 10 of these giant slides and there's like 50 pools and there's loops and, and all this stuff like, you were pretty casual about mentioning the pools out back like <laughs> madness <laughs> Yeah, I like, yeah, I loved it down there.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe they thought that um y- you came because of the pools and they're like, yeah, it's out back." Like they they didn't need to right, clarify, right. but apparently less like, of a you had no idea,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a real pretty country down there. I loved it. Um yeah, Slovenia and Slovakia and Austria, kind of that whole that whole corner. is super stunning. Yeah. Um it's just like random castles all over the place. You're just riding about You're like, "Oh, another castle." Oh yeah. I got so like jaded and kind of uh I I got so used to castles that I I just eventually was like, eh, another castle, but but I've been in America for so long. Yeah.
0: Lots of castles and lots of churches. That's what we do here. Yeah. Every village has at least one church otherwise. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Was there anything uh, that surprised you like going through the countries? like Did did any of the country or people like really surprise you in a, in a good or a bad way?
1: Yeah. Um, Honestly, everyone was so much nicer and friendlier than I was expecting. Um, Like in America, quite often you'll have people like just honk and scream abuse. Like I've had like homophobic slurs and just like random stuff thrown at me from um, from, like, double-wide pickup trucks cycling through Maine or whatever, right? Like, there's people who are just mean. They see spandex, and they just randomly make, like, really rude comments to you. Wow. And I like, get out the road. I'm like, I'm in a bike lane. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> so people could be kind of mean in America, but, like, honestly, no one was mean to me. Like, everyone was really friendly and really supportive, and just, like, everyone wanted to ask questions, and, like, they were pushing the limits of their English while I was pushing, like, the limits of my whatever else, um, <laughs> trying to, like, have this conversation about, like, what are you doing, you know? Um, and, like, people would... I, I'd be in a gas station in Boston bosnia and you know like the the, the pump guy had just had questions for me and he'd like call his friend over who spoke english just to like ask me the questions you know um <laughs> and they always want to know like where are you going what what why are you doing this um where is your favorite country what do you think of this country um and like i'd be driving down some kind of sketchy roads like sometimes you're kind of on the highway <laughs> um and people were honking at me it's like man these people are jerks i don't want to be on this highway anymore they want me here but then I realized that most of them were like shoving that, you know, thumbs up, uh, giving me the peace sign, right, like right, cheering right, yeah. out the window, and just like <laughs> they're just like you're insane. This is great, <laughs> you know. Like they just don't expect to see people. There. Yeah, honking in a good way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I realized that people were honking in a good way, like that just felt really nice. And I just smile and wave back, and I feel like a bit of a celebrity, um, kind of riding through, <laughs> and everyone's <just> like, way!
0: <laughs> uh Other than like these general things, so was there like any anything specific you have in mind that? like really really shocked you
1: or i saw an 11 year old boy driving a jeep by himself <laughs> down a really dodgy road and like he was le- he was leaning out of the car to like wave and cheer and stuff and i was like dude you need to focus on driving right now <laughs> it was mad where was that uh, that was in albania it's like some random back road oh okay um, enough said. yeah <laughs> right i was like i'm having a hard time <laughs> riding my bike down this road like you-, you need to focus on your driving right now <laughs>
0: Yeah. And now, like, when you're returning from the U.S., do you have plan to continue? Like, where will you uh, go next?
1: Yeah. Um, so I haven't really seen my family in a while. Um, I also haven't ridden a bike in the U.K., so I'm trying to ride a bike in all the countries. And um, uh, so I'm going to go and combine family time with bike riding in England and do uh, John Groats to Land's End, which is like the bottom left to top right of Scotland. Um, so they're going to come along and like ride support. So we can like hang out in a random little gift shop, cafe, oh, cool, uh, some random, random castle, or manor house, you know, uh, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll save for breakfast, lunch and dinner basically. <laughs> um, so that should be quite nice. And then just back to Europe and, try and finish off the um, the Scandinavian Baltic loop that I had to abandon with my messed up heel. Yeah. And then see if I can finish things off before it gets too cold.
0: Yeah. Well, it will get cold especially in the Scandinavia really soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping I can get
1: Scandinavia done by like, you know, end of November at the latest. That that will be cold, but it shouldn't be like snow on the ground because I'm not going too far north. I'm kind of, you know, uh, doing um kind of Stockholm, taking the boat through the Åland Islands to uh to Finland. And then kind of looping around through uh, Estonia and stuff. So like I'm not going too far north. I should be able to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like heading down towards Turkey and Greece, which will be the finishing point. Mm-hmm. Um, as it as it's kind of the middle of winter, and that's a great place to be in, in winter because it's you know not as bad as other places. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> I'm trying to trying to use the weather to my advantage instead of working against it. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like I did last time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and you said uh, you mentioned this cyclocross racing. Yes. Um, what What is that even? I don't I don't know. That.
1: Uh, cyclocross is mad. Um, so cyclocross <laughs> is a, a cross between road racing and mountain biking. And so uh, you're a runner, so I'm sure you know tough mudder, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, tough mudder. Um, it, for your listeners, it's like, you know, running, it's like doing a half marathon or a marathon, but you're getting like electrocuted and you're climbing over obstacles and there's like rope ladders and just like jumping through sand pits. And that's what cyclocross is on a bike. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um Yeah, you don't get electrocuted, luckily, but everything else. So there's obstacles. There's like... um as barriers to jump. to have
0: the ice thingy where you have to go through like a lake of ice. <laughs>
1: they don't have the ice thingy. That would be that would be pretty cool. Um but that's the worst one like
0: I, I Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw <laughs> like I saw my friends do it and when I like when I saw that uh, obstacle which is basically like um it's um it, it, it's like a hole in the ground and there's like um mm. like a tree over it and you have to go underneath and, and basically in this hole is like um water with ice so it's ice cold water ah, and you have to dunk yourself like the, the entire body has to go under this like uh, <laughs> that doesn't
1: sound too pleasant it... i think they had that in no. the way i did and <laughs> like that's crazy yeah there was also like it's just lots of like muddy water as well so there would be like just murky like you're in a river in the middle of farmland and it's all just you know cows have been in it um just nasty <laughs> and you have to like wow. go underwater and like get underneath all these different things um yeah, I'm not a fan of that tough Mudder stuff. So why would you do that? But on a bike, it's really fun. It's not quite as extreme. Like maybe that's uh, too much of a close comparison with tough matter. But it's it's like an obstacle course on a bike. Essentially, it's like mm. you have to jump over stuff. You have to ride through sand pits. Sometimes it's so muddy you can barely ride your bike, and you're like running with it on your shoulder. <laughs> it's just madness. <laughs> um, sometimes there's like rope pull ups, so you're running up these really steep hills, like pulling yourself up with one hand. Um, There's like stairs and flyovers and and things you can bunny hop. And and it's just really silly. You have to like learn to run and jump onto your bike while you're like running next to it, you know, (laughs) and getting that wrong can have serious implications. Um, So yeah, it's just like a really funny, silly way to spend time on a bike. And the races are like 45 minutes long and there's different, uh, different races, different age groups, different uh, skill levels and stuff uh, going throughout the day. So you just go with your friends, you get your race done and then you just sit around having beers and just. Heckling them and um, <laughs> people do hand ups of random things from the side. Do you get hand ups in running? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm not. Okay, so a hand up is when like someone on the sideline gives you stuff, and you're not. They're not really meant to give you anything that would like help you cheat, but like oh. uh, sometimes uh, you'll get champagne hand ups. One time I thought this, it was the same guy that did the champagne hand up, and I said, "Oh, I'll take some of that," and it was like crackers. And I was like, I'm so thirsty. Why did you give me crackers? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like people give you like sweets and candy and uh, a muffin. Uh, The funniest thing I've ever seen was a puppy hand up. This person was just holding a puppy up and this person wasn't doing very well at the back. And they just like gave them a quick puppy cuddle. And then like he sped up. It's just like a really silly place. Wow, no, this this
0: doesn't happen. Uh, doesn't happen often. Running, I, I don't think so. No, um, I saw at the uh, at the Berlin Marathon there was like uh, two kilometers before the end. There were people giving out like beers, yeah, just like to yeah, yeah. to to help you get to the finish line and like whatever. <laughs>
1: but yeah, other than that, uh, I don't know. How would you feel about that? Would you take a take a beer two miles before the finish? <sighs> Probably not. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I. I <sighs>
0: maybe before the finish it would be okay but in the middle of the race i definitely would not
1: take something that um from someone i don't know like just you know well that as well yeah i have no idea <laughs> what strength it is you don't want to try and read the apv while you're running down the road here yeah, yeah um, or
0: you know or <laughs> get food poisoning in the middle of like four hour race it's oof. definitely not fun no
1: yeah that's not ideal what
0: <laughs> but how did you get into cyc- like in this cyclocross where did you even hear about it
1: um I'd never heard of it until I was at WeWork and there was another guy who's like, ah, you're into bikes, huh? You should come and do this thing. And uh, he he was just like the guy that ran the local cyclocross team. And um, yeah, I I don't think I ever would have noticed it apart from that. Like, I I think it was my only ever interaction with cyclocross was like i saw some cyclocross bikes and they were prohibitively expensive they're in really really expensive bikes like you can get an entry-level road racing bike for aluminium you know six hundred dollars yeah um but the cheapest uh, cyclocross bikes i could find were like two thousand dollars you know Whoa. and that was just way yeah um because you need them to be light but you also need them to be really strong and uh so like at the time they weren't really using carbon that much and carbon was quite expensive, but now carbon is so much cheaper that like mountain bikes are made of carbon you can get like carbon wheel sets for mountain bikes. So like hmm. prices in general have come down the whole way through like, the ecosystems to the point where cyclocross is like now a attainable sport. Whereas in 2010, it was just for like the richest people. Um, and so I think I like saw it then and just went no. But you do need a, a special bike. Like mountain bike is not good enough. Uh, you you wouldn't. Some people do use a mountain bike. Honestly, the differences between a mountain bike and a cross bike are pretty small. Like it's you still have a one by drive uh, one by uh, crank set and and a giant cassette on the back. And if you've got a hardtail mountain bike, the only difference really is the um uh, is the handlebars because it a cyclocross bike is basically just a uh, a road bike with slightly wider forks. Right. Uh, and you know a bigger gap on the chain so it, it basically bigger tire clearance but um yeah i mean you can use a road bike which has disc brakes so that you can have bigger tires on it and if as long as you most cyclocross is like 34c 35c tires um and most road bikes kind of top out at 28 30 but you can get some knobbly tires on a road bike and have a go you just probably won't won't be as good at cornering as, as everybody else you know
0: yeah it's just while you were talking
1: i googled some photos and oh my god no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a shame this is a podcast because I'd show everyone some amazing photographs like this photographs just pile ups. The funniest thing I ever saw was two guys going around a corner at the same time. And you'll start at the same time. So you're really close together. One guy fell on top of the other guy. They both stayed clipped into their bikes, right? They both got their cleats in and they're both fully attached to their bikes, lying on top of each other like a cartoon. <laughs> they were just stacked on top and they were looking at each other like, what do we even do now? Because they couldn't unclip. They, they, luckily, some some people ran over and just grabbed them both and like pulled them back up sideways. And they were both still attached when we pulled them up. <laughs> cyclocross is ridiculously fun and if you're into bikes give it a try it's it's just great
0: yeah that definitely sounds interesting uh, um is there uh, is there anything uh else that you'd like to bring up that i didn't uh, ask about already
1: uh no bike racing and adventuring and trying to save the planet and do my day job are pretty much all i have time for these days <laughs> that's that's <enough> things.
0: <laughs> yeah i i saw somewhere i, I forgot where i copied pasted this from but i have in my notes like occasionally upsets hordes of men's rights activists on reddit
1: like <laughs> oh god yeah um <laughs> so i used to be very involved with uh with php and i was like you know contributing a little bit to the core and, mm-hmm. and working on the standards bodies and, and doing a bunch of other stuff and
0: oh so so that's why you pick symphony and yeah
1: yeah so i I, yeah i don't really do php that much these days we work with ruby and now it's all typescript uh moved around a bit but um yeah i used to be super involved with php and for some reason there's like a really tight kind of overlap uh venn diagram of people who are men's rights activists um or like specifically anti-feminist and also php on reddit um and so like the the php subreddit is just like Really nasty. As soon as you talk about code of conduct or about, you know, why is this conference 100% white men? Whenever you talk about any of that stuff, people just get in a frenzy and they get really, um, really upset about it. Hmm. And so I was trying to teach the concepts of code of conduct. I was trying to get a code of conduct into PHP itself. Um, and, uh, generally kind of advocating for the topics of, you know, diversity and tech and, um, just trying to explain to people that it's not as confusing or scary or like, it's not, you know, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of women trying to take control. They have all these weird ideas about what it was. <laughs> and I was actually making some progress. Like if I sit down with a men's rights activist, I can flip his views after a certain amount of time. Like I've done it before, not 100% of the time, but like a lot of the time. Um, and, and so I tried to basically do that at scale and it didn't work. <laughs> there's like this whole Reddit threads. There's just like 500 people calling me words that I probably can't say on your podcast um but just like you know multiple people screaming like phil's only doing this to try and impress women if he even likes women I'm like okay so which is it like am i am i pathetically <laughs> failing to get women's attention or am i into men like which which what, what are you trying to go with here um and that was like the nice one that i'm allowed to say on your podcast so yeah there's there's a yeah, lot of that out there i can i can leave this out if you want like i don't i don't have to <laughs> no it's fine it's fine i'm just not gonna use their words i don't know if this is family friendly <laughs> or not
0: <laughs> well you know you can always bleep it but
1: uh, yeah usually like this this
0: long in podcast people don't like listen anymore if if they are not uh, interested in things so like yeah you enough. can get away you can get away with anything after like 30 minutes i think
1: <laughs> perfect
0: yeah but um i i have uh, this question that i always have at the end of the show um what would be three things that you say made like uh, a lasting impression or like change your life somehow and then this can be like books or articles or videos or like whatever
1: i I can definitely name two just off the top of the bat um i think the first thing is blogging um and the second thing is is like applying to speak at conferences which blogging totally helps with Um, honestly my career and life has been fundamentally changed by the fact that i started off blogging a lot um, and that kind of you know, I was just like a, 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 an average Joe developer working incredibly low paid jobs in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of managed to elevate myself out of that position just by like blogging and people be like, Oh, I, I read your thing. And, you know, you just share ideas and just talk about things. Yeah. Um, and then that led to conference speaking, which again, just really elevates your career. And, um, it, it got me, it got me to America to, you know, CTO of small tech startup that obviously ended up going bankrupt. And, but then I worked for a bigger startup that also went bankrupt but then i worked for a really big startup which is WeWork, which is about to go bankrupt which yeah uh, that's a whole other conversation i I can't believe they're trying to ipo if you've read any of the articles about all the things that that have been incredibly immoral those things um go go from being immoral to being illegal when you're a publicly traded company so it seems like a very bad idea um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway but that's also true for for uber and all of this and they made an
0: ipo so what do we know right
1: yeah Well, good good luck to them, I suppose. Um but yeah, those two things made a huge, a huge impact. Um and yeah, I guess the third thing is just like go and explore the world. Just go like I I did it before on a Greyhound bus. It totally changed my opinions um about a lot of things. I, I was probably on a path to be another one of these, you know, Muppet men's rights activists, um, like just in my, in my small town, like there's no women developers around clearly it's cause they don't want to be developed, you know, all these stupid things that people think, like I was thinking some of those things for a while. And I did a, like a Greyhound lap of, of America and talked to a whole bunch of people and got a whole bunch of different viewpoints. And now I'm doing the same thing on my bike around Europe and, um, yeah, just like go out there and see things and do things and learn things. And it, it just fixes your thought patterns and, and just kind of, I don't know makes you better mm-hmm.
0: do you um, like connect with local developers when you travel around?
1: yeah, I try to yeah i mean I, i've said yes to every single person that offered to buy me a beer because I want to have a beer <laughs> um, <laughs> and there are people everywhere um that you know there's developers everywhere in every town in, in the world um and you know, it's not often they get to talk to somebody who's been programming for maybe longer than they have, or working on a project that they enjoy, or even just another developer, right? Like they might be the only developer in town. Yeah. Um, So yeah, when someone says like, Hey, come sleep on my sofa and I'll, I'll buy you a beer. I'm like, absolutely let's let's hang out <laughs> i've met some really cool people that way
0: so. yeah yeah um I, I definitely like i i um host people on couchsurfing nice um and that's like that goes completely out of uh, it zone but yeah you get to meet this like people from all over the spectrum mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's um yeah, like you said, you don't even have to go out to explore the world. Like, the world can come to you if you only open up a bit.
1: That is a really good point. Yeah, uh, couch surfing and uh, warm showers is another one. If there's any kind of bike people that are interested in having like random bike packers swing by, um, I recommend that website. It's warm showers warm showers yeah i think it's warm com or i don't know yeah i uh, haven't heard of this yeah it's you can you can host and you can and you can stay just like couch surfing but it's like specifically around bike stuff so it's a great if you're out with your bike it's great because you know that they're going to have somewhere that you can put your bike um because they all love their bikes as much as you do and they won't make you leave it outside or whatever that's also a great domain name (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely it's getting harder and harder to find them but some good ones (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, thank
0: you so much for being a guest.
1: Yeah, thanks for for having me. This was fun.
0: Yeah, this was uh, super fun. And um, well, good luck to the continuation of your trip. And hopefully you don't uh, get any more injuries. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Bye. Bye. All right. This was my interview with Phil. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings on your social mediums of choice. Retweet, like, repost, whatever. Every action helps. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, please post a review there. And if you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything else that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also financially support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash p-a-r-p-a-s-p-o-d. Or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Parapaspot on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 34. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day.
1: I I forgot to mention there was a a, a death pool. You were saying, you know, good luck at the end. There's people were placing bets on which country I'd die in. (laughs) And it was like um, falling off a a Swiss Alp or like getting attacked by a bear in Bosnia or like stepping on a landmine or whatever stupid thing it was. Um, and people have been like placing bets and my mum was the closest to winning. She said Switzerland. And then I crashed. It was my only crash of the whole time. I like, I snapped my handlebars. I crashed so hard. She, she was like, God damn it. (laughs) I wasn't being serious. Don't actually die on me. I'll never live with the shame.